Bibles and will turn with us tonight to the book of Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 22. As our young people, kids are being dismissed to their class, I won't read quite as much as I did Sunday night, but again, a lengthier reading than I, than I normally do. I don't want to tire your patience. Matthew chapter 14, a very familiar story in the Word of God. We've preached from it many times before. But verse 22 says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side, while he sent the, the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, between three and six o'clock in the morning, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried for fear. My prayer is, Lord, that in the storm, Never let me be so distant that I don't realize it's you when you walk by. The disciples, blinded by their storm, saw Jesus walking by, didn't even recognize him, said, it's a spirit. But Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. Just one simple word. And when Peter was come, down out of the ship. He walked on the water to go to Jesus, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. One of the most powerful and profound prayers that we can pray at times is, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. You don't have to have a drawn-out, eloquent prayer that can be published in a magazine to get God's attention. But we can see here Peter just simply said, Lord, save me. And it was enough to get Jesus' attention because he said in verse 31, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto them, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased, and they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. I want to preach to you tonight if the Lord will help us. I believe we can see some parallels in, in this story. Very familiar passage of scripture. The Lord dealt with me on the depths of the Christian life. And how that we can see parallels to what you and I, we will face and we go, will go through in this life. And I want to preach with the Lord to help me just for a few minutes on the Christian life. The Christian life. Father, we love you. We pray and ask that you would add your blessings to the word of God tonight. God, open up our ears, open up our understanding, open up our hearts to the word of God. May it increase 30, 60, 100 fold in us. I pray, oh God, that we wouldn't be just hearers only, but we would be doers of the word as we apply the word of God to our hearts. Lord, speak to us tonight through your word. Touch us tonight by your spirit. Do a work that only you can do. We're going to be careful to give you the glory, honor, and praise for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name. And the church says amen, amen. and amen. 
Now, I was taught this story as a young kid in children's church and Sunday school. I, I could tell you the story of Peter walking on the water. And no doubt it is a very familiar story to us. And if we're not careful, when we read the Word of God and we come to these familiar uh, verses, we'll think, I know it all. I've read it a hundred times. And we'll just speed read through it to get to the next one, to get somewhere else where we may not be as familiar with it. You can never exhaust the revelation that Christ has in His Word for us. You can read the Word of God a thousand times. And God can show you a thousand different things. Amen. In His Word of, of, of things that He talks to us through His his spirit, and it's not changing the context, it's not changing the story. The, the story stays the same. The Word of God is never changing. But how we see and how the Holy Ghost illuminates scriptures, amen, in our lives, it may vary from time to time as you read the Word of God. And I, I stumbled across these scriptures, and I, I was guilty of that, just thinking on these verses. I, I've read it a thousand times. But in this story, I missed. Amen. Uh, some great truths that God last night began to deal with my heart about. And, and I believe as the, the Holy Ghost laid this on my heart, if, if He will uh, anoint me and help me to deliver it the same way that He gave it unto me, I believe that we can see a microcosm. Uh, we can see a, a, a sample of what the Christian life is of walking with Christ. For the first thing that I want us to notice, the Christian life, is an utter impossibility in the flesh. You know, I, I've talked to some people and say, man, why don't you give your heart and life to Jesus? Why don't you surrender to Christ? And they say, man, it is hard to be a Christian. And as I've wisened up over the years, I've come to realize that it's not just hard to be a Christian, but it is utterly impossible to live a Christian life. If you try to do it in the flesh. It's impossible. It cannot be done. For a man to, to try to, to live a good life. And try to turn over a good leaf. The, the dog is going to return to its vomit. And the, the sow is going to return to its life. Uh, amen. You can turn over a new leaf all that you want to do. Uh, amen. But uh, uh, that is not an overcoming Christian life. Uh, it is impossible for man to do this in his own strength. Uh, and I will submit to you tonight that it is just as impossible for man to live this Christian life uh, in his own strength as it was for Peter to walk on the water. It's impossible. Both are utterly impossible and cannot be achieved in the flesh. Amen. I don't know if any of you have tried walking on water. I've tried it. I remember as a kid, so as, a, as a young age, mid uh, or, or teens, early teens, I remember thinking on the Bible story, thinking of Peter as he walked on the water. And I remembered stepping out. Think, man, I wonder if I can walk on water. Guess what? I didn't. And guess what? You wouldn't either. It's impossible for man to do this. There is not a fleshly human being on earth that can walk to the Gulf of Mexico Step out on that sand and just keep walking out on the water. It is utterly impossible. 
You see, that required the divine presence of Christ injected into the scenario for that to be achieved. And I can tell you a victorious Christian life, it requires the same exact thing. It requires Christ in the equation living His life through us or it will be unachievable. It'll happen in Christ or it won't happen at all. Amen. Man cannot become holy, righteous, sanctified. Amen. In our own ability. Amen. It is just as impossible for that as it is for Peter to walk on the water. It takes death to self and becoming baptized in Christ and his life being channeled and funneled through our life. It's impossible to be victorious. It's impossible to overcome. It is impossible to live this Christian life apart from him. But guess what? Jesus demands it. Yeah. Got one that's right and one amen. The Christian life is impossible, yet Christ calls us to do the impossible. Right. He calls us to do the impossible. Amen. For the Bible says that with man, this is impossible. Yeah. But with God, all things are possible yeah. to them that believe. Jesus come not to make bad men good. He come to make dead men live. He come to enable men to do an impossible feat. And that is to live an overcoming victorious Christian life. Amen. If we were to try to dissect the word of God and if we were to look at all of the commands to be holy, it's impossible. If we were to look about being transformed, not conforming to the world, but being transformed, that is impossible in our strength. Amen. But yet and still we have the command. Why? Because Christ knew it was impossible. He knew that we couldn't do it in and of our own strength and self. That's why he went to Calvary. That's why he paid the price that he paid. And that is why he overcome to enable us to become overcomers. To enable us to be victorious. To enable us to be holy and righteous. You can't do it yourself. I can't do it myself, but in Him, through Him, and by Him, we can be overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We can be victorious in this life. All because Jesus made the impossible possible. There's an old song that says, I can't even walk without him holding my hand. That's more scriptural than we even know because Paul said in the book of, of Acts 17, for in him we live, we move, and we have our being. Listen, there is no doubt in my mind I would either be in the jailhouse or in the cemetery tonight. Yet, for the grace of God... But for the grace of God, amen, everything that I ever have become and I ever will become is because He is making the impossible possible. And He is going to call us into a deeper life. God is going to call us out of the boat. Amen. God is going to call us out of our normalcy, out of our complacency into, amen, this Christian life that we're preaching about tonight. Amen. And while it is impossible for us in our own strength, He has made the impossible possible. Amen. 
Amen. We, amen, it is God's will for us to find ourselves lost in this Christian life. It's impossible in our own strength but possible through Him. Secondly, the Christian life, it requires faith. I want you to look at this. Peter was in the perfect will of God in getting out of the boat. In fact, it was Christ that called him out of the boat, which marked his comfort zone. It marked normalcy. It marked safety. But Christ, amen, said, boy, I didn't call you to just be safe. I didn't call you to a comfort zone. I didn't call you to just ease in Zion. Amen. But he wanted to reveal himself to a in a deeper way to Peter. He wanted to show Peter a revelation. Amen. That Peter had never received before. He wanted to, Peter to see what he could do and accomplish when he lives a life of faith. Amen. And can I submit to you tonight that the same way God called Peter out of his boat. God is going to call us out of our boat. He's going to call us out of the known into the unknown. He's going to call us when we're at ease doing the possible into some impossible task to where you just like Peter are going to realize how much you need him. How much you need his strength. How much you need his power. How much you need his grace. I mean God is going to call each and every one of us out of our ease and our comfort and he's going to call Call us into the challenge of the unknown. Peter was a fisherman. He knew that boat. He knew how to steer that boat. He knew how to control that boat. That boat was his livelihood. That boat was his safety net. But Jesus said, I'm calling you out of that. I'm calling you out of what you know. And I'm calling you out on the waves. I'm calling you out of the sea. So you can see something deeper. So you can see something more. So you can realize that this thing is bigger than you. My plan and my will is bigger than you. Amen. Jesus told him. He said, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come. Jesus simply spoke one word. and said, come. Peter was in the perfect will of God getting out of the boat. But the Lord showed me this last night. And I'm not here to talk about semantics. And I'm not here to, to, to try to overturn the apple cart and, and try to push something new age on you tonight. I'm not. But if Peter had tried to walk on the waves in and of himself, same thing would happen to him that happened to me. He would have sunk right out of the boat. You see, when Peter got out of the boat, he wasn't just walking on the waves. Peter was walking on the word. He was walking on the word. You see, Jesus told him, Lord, if it be you, bid me to come. Jesus said, come. Amen. He was walking in faith on the word and the command of God. That may not do anything for you. 
like it does for me. But when we're facing the impossibilities and we're facing a stormy sea and we know that it's utterly impossible to be victorious when we can stand on nothing else. We can stand on the word of God and we can put our faith lock, stock, and barrel on the word. Hallelujah. And the word will carry us even on the waves, even in the winds, even in the storm. His word is greater. Amen. The miracle required Peter's faith in the word of God and when Peter put his faith in the word and Peter acted in obedience to the command of God the word carried him through the waves oh my God when you put your faith in an unshakable God and you step out in obedience and do the impossible unto God that same word will carry you through the waves it will carry you through the wind it will carry you through the storm amen it requires a life of surrender of obedience and a life of faith. Faith in the word of God. The only security that Peter had was God's word. That's it. One simple word, come. But that was enough for Peter to step out in obedience, to walk in faith, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus and as long as he stayed faithful and centered on the word of God the word carried him on that stormy sea you may have nothing else to hold on to in this life but if you've got God's word you've got enough when you can't act on anything else you can act in obedience to his command whatever God commands Amen. By His Spirit. Amen. He will perform. When you don't have faith in anything else, put your unadulterated faith in the Word of God. Because the Bible says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Hallelujah. The words of Joe Biden ain't worth the paper that it's printed on. But I'm here to tell you tonight the Word of God is immutable. Yeah. Amen. The word of God is inerrant. The word of God is infallible. And if you're holding on to the word of God, you're holding on to the greatest lifeline that you and I will ever have in this life. Amen. When we don't have anything but one word, church, we've got enough. It may be impossible. It may seem out of the norm. It may defy logic. It may defy human wisdom. But his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He is going to call us into a deeper Christian life. He's going to call us to do the impossible. Don't lean into your own strength or to your own understanding, but trust the Word of God. Obey the Word of God. Walk and stand on the Word of God. It will carry you when nothing else will. One writer said this, the words of Christ shall not pass away because they're founded in eternal truth and in the fixed counsel of the immutable God. As God cannot change, so neither shall the word of truth change. It's everlasting like himself. It is a great unity like himself. Christ is emphatically the truth. Amen. His words contain in them an infinite and divine essence. Omnipotence spoke them. Almightiness accompanied them. 
Immortality dwelt in them. They could neither turn, change, nor fail. If you were looking for something to shout about, you just missed a great opportunity. The Word of God. Amen. Omnipotence spoke them. Almightiness accompanied them. And immortality dwelt in them. That's why heaven and earth may fade and pass away. But the word of God will endure forever and forever and forever. And honey, if you're anchored in the word, you're anchored in the only thing that's going to be left standing throughout all of eternity. This life, the Christian life, doing the impossible, it requires faith. This is the starting block and the essence of it all. For by grace through what? Through faith are you saved. You can't even start on the Christian journey until faith has its work in your heart. Faith enough to believe. For without faith, the Bible says it is impossible to please Him. Faith in the redemptive plan is the catalyst for everything that follows. If you don't have faith, you don't have anything. If your faith is not in this Christ, then your faith is anchored in something that will pass away. For the Bible says God has dealt unto every man the measure of faith that he might believe. Faith is the essence of it all. Faith and believing that Jesus, the Son of God, came down to this earth, was born as a virgin, lived 33 and a half uh, sinless years, uh, did no evil, spoke no evil, uh, never committed a sin, uh, died on an old rugged cross, uh, Buried in a, a borrowed tomb. But after three days, he rose again triumphant uh, over death, hell, and the grave. Made himself alive uh, by many infallible proof. Ascended to the right hand of the Father uh, where he ever lives to make intercession uh, for us. Uh, listen, there's a lot uh, of history books that records the acts uh, of some very good men. Uh, but there's something different about Jesus than George Washington. There's something different about Jesus than Napoleon. There's something different about Jesus than some president or some earthly king. You see, amen, they died a natural death and they're still dead today. But I have faith to believe not only did Jesus come, not only did he die, but he rose again after the third day. Amen, and he's making intercession for us. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is our ticket for salvation. It's His blood that redeemed me from all sin. It's His Spirit that quickens me and empowers me. And it's His Spirit that's going to lead us and guide us all the way home. Oh my God, you can read that in a book. Amen. And it do nothing for you. But honey, you let faith spring up in your heart. Amen. You let it get connected to faith. There's absolutely no limit to the power of the gospel. takes just as much faith to live this Christian life as it did for Peter to walk out on the word of God onto a stormy sea. Faith. Faith. 
if we step out, if we take the lead, if we obey his command and respond in faith to his word, your triumph can be just as great as Peter's was. Peter, outside of Christ, is the only man that I can find. If you can find one other one, I'll consider it. But I think you'll come up empty just like I did. Peter's the only man, natural man, outside of Christ, to walk on the water. We look at that and say, wow, how triumphant. Your life can be just as triumphant. Because living victoriously in this life is just as impossible for us as it was for Peter to walk on those waves. But when we step out in faith, the Bible says we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. When we step out of the boat and we, we live a life of faith, my Bible says I'm kept by God. I'm kept by God. I'm not just saved. By his grace. But I'm kept by his power. Yeah. If you're looking for a good time to shout, you just missed another one. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We're saved by faith. We're kept by his power. Yeah. Amen. It's impossible, preacher. I know. But you put God in the equation. Nothing is impossible to him. Amen. He'll keep us in every tribulation. He'll keep us uh, in every storm. Uh, and we too can be uh, water walkers. Uh, for the Bible says in Isaiah 43 verse 1, But now, thus saith the Lord God that created thee, O Jacob, uh, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, uh, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest uh, through the waters, uh, I will be with thee. Uh, and through the rivers, uh, they shall not overflow thee. Uh, listen, he created Israel. Uh, he said, you're going to go through Babylon. You're going to go through tribulation, but I'm not going to allow. Amen. When you pass through the waters, they're not going to overtake thee. When you, the rivers shall not overflow thee. Listen, folks, we have the same promise that they had. Why? Because He created us, He formed us, He redeemed us, and He called us by our names. And the same way He carried Israel through and brought them out on the other side. Oh, my God, He will carry us through every storm and tribulation if our full faith and trust is anchored in Him. Amen. Amen. We must not fear. We must have faith. How do I do that, preacher? You trust the unknown future to a well-known God. You trust the unknown to the well-known God. So we see, number one, the Christian life is impossible in the flesh, cannot be done. But with Christ, all things are possible to him that believes. Number two, it requires faith, stepping out in obedience, standing on the word of God. But the third thing is you can bank on this. The Christian life will face distractions. I don't consider myself a prophet, but I'm going to prophesy to you. Something deep and very profound. When you attempt to walk on the water with God, the devil is going to send every distraction your way to try to make you fall. That's it. That's it. It's not a prophecy people want to hear, 
Just because nobody wants to hear it does not mean it's not truth nonetheless. You will face distractions when you attempt to live this Christian life. Just try it for a day. See how many distractions come your way. Peter was in the perfect will of God. He responded in faith. He was standing on, on the word, doing the impossible. But here come the distractions. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and was beginning to sink. In this story, the waves overtook Peter's attention, and instead of staying focused on the word, we find him focusing on the distractions. Even in the greatest of stories, we can learn what not to do in situations. I'll never forget coming to Bible Way within the first week. Brother Eddie sat me down, talked to me. He said, oh, thankful God sent you here to help me. He said, but, he said, my life is an open book. He said, I want you to take mental notes of what I do. He said, because you're going to learn a lot of things that you need to replicate when you're in full-time ministry yourself, you're going to find some things that was right that you need to take note of them. He said, but you're also going to find a lot of things that I don't do right. You're going to need to make mental note of them to not repeat my mistakes. Well, I can tell you, 14 years, there's been very few that have fallen in the latter category. Thank God for a good pastor and a good shepherd, a man of God. But that same principle, we can look at Peter, a good man, and we can learn from a poor example. And that is, we must never let our fear overcome our faith. Right. We must never let what is around us distract us from Jesus. Here is a man doing the impossible. Here is a man that God is leading him to walk on the water. But he lets the waves, he lets the worries overtake the preeminence and the command of God to come on the water and embark on this impossibility with him. He had all he needed. He had the word of God. He had the keeping power of God. He had the presence of God. But even with those three great things, Peter still became distracted. And if Peter can become distracted with Jesus 10 feet from him, how much more do you think we could get distracted Amen. With them sitting by the right hand of the Father and us trying to make it through this life. Sure, we have the Holy Ghost with us. Sure, the Spirit of God is with us. But the fact of the matter is, amen, if Peter was distracted less than 10 feet away from Jesus, we are much more apt to fall to the distractions. We're flesh. We're human. Amen. We are mortal men. Oh, but when we find ourselves embarking on this Christian life, we must be like the Apostle Paul who said, amen, in the book of Corinthians, he said, when I come into you, I come not with excellency of speech or wisdom declared unto you the testimony of God. Amen. He said, for I determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul resulted in his mind. I'm walking around with blinders on. I don't care what's happening around me. My eyes are focused on Jesus. I'm not going to become distracted. I'm not going to become wearied. I'm not going to be 
overcome by worry. With the cross before me. The world behind me. My eyes are focused on Jesus. And I refuse to be distracted. Folks, we will face distractions. But just because they come does not mean that they have to make you seek. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep standing on the word. When we do our part, Christ will do his. got to have blinders on to the distractions of this life. Amen. Sure, we have jobs. Sure, we have family. Sure, we have things that are buying for our time and our attention. It would be foolish to try to be hypocritical to stand behind this pulpit and pretend like life doesn't happen. But it does not matter how difficult life gets. Jesus must remain the focal point of our vision. He's got to be priority number one. Distractions will take care of themselves. But our focus must be on him. Because he's the only one that can carry us through. The only one. So we see we're going to face distractions. Peter took his eyes off of Jesus began to sink. He succumbed to the distractions. Which leads me to the fourth point, and don't let me misconstrue and confuse anybody. Just bear with me for a few minutes. But you have to know this. The Christian life will not always be a perfect life. Christian life won't always be a perfect life. Peter when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. There will be times when we, like Peter, we start out with the best of intentions but find ourselves sinking and falling. You hear this preacher tonight, this is not an excuse to sin. I'm not talking about willful, habitual sin. The Bible tells us that we're to seek perfection. In 2 Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Hebrews 6 and 1 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. There's a lot of preachers that's going to stand before God on the day of judgment and have to give an account Forgiving people license to sin and calling it grace. I would hate to be their shoes, in their shoes on the day of judgment. Having to give an account for leading people astray into false doctrine. I'm not giving you a license to sin tonight. I'm telling you that we are to strive to be perfect because he's perfect. And everything that we do, we should strive every day to be more like Jesus than we were the day before. That's, it. That's the only way to live this life, folk. That's the only way to live this life. We should attempt every second of every day to be perfect as he's perfect. But the reality is, we're still flesh. And flesh falls sometimes. You don't think so. Let a rooster start crowing at 3.30 in the morning. Go over to somebody's house and let a chihuahua nip you on the heels about three or four times. 
guy. Somebody got mad at me and left the church over something I said about dogs. Scratch that from the record. God help me. Let your wife and your kids get under your skin and aggravate you. You see, it don't matter how many, how much we strive to be perfect, we still have that button, and the devil knows how to push it. Perfection does not lie in us. Perfection lies in him that's working in us. And as much as I want to be perfect and as much as I'm striving to be perfect, if this is not a license to be lax and say, well, I just give up and quit. No. We're to strive for it every day. But there's going to be some days that are better than others. There's going to be some days where we fall to some things, and again, not willful, habitual sin, but we're going to miss the mark in some areas in our life. Peter did. Not just this time when he took his eyes off of Christ, when he denied Christ three times and swore and cursed with an oath and said, I don't even know the man. But we find a great example from Peter and that he went out and he wept bitterly. And he was one of the 120 that was filled with the Holy Ghost. And he was the one that stood up and preached one of the greatest gospel messages ever recorded in 3,000 men were swept into the kingdom of God. Peter wasn't a perfect man, but he had a perfect Savior. You and I may not be perfect, but we have that same perfect Savior that's working in us. And I may not be perfect today, and I may fall short, but there's a lot of truth in that old children's song. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars, how loving and impatient, how patient he must be because he's still working on me. Amen. It took him a week in creation. 35 years he's been forming me. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. And in the final analysis of life, amen, I may not be perfect down here. Amen. But if I keep walking with him when I stand before him, I will be perfect because the Bible says, amen, that He, we are going to be like him. Oh, hallelujah. He is a perfect Savior. And on that day, we're going to be transformed and we're going to be made perfect in Christ, in his image. Amen. You see, the Christian life may not always be perfect. It's not an excuse for habitual willful sin but don't take yourself off of the clay the potter's wheel let him keep molding you let him keep shaping your life and he can make beauty from ashes he can take a misfit and turn him into a masterpiece if we will just submit and surrender and keep walking by faith yes. Yes. Peter faced distractions Peter failed but I'm hurrying tonight just a couple more minutes. The next thing we see with the Christian life is the Christian knows where our strength lies. Because you see, when Peter fell, he was beginning to sink. He didn't call out to John and say, John, throw me the life preserver. He didn't say, Bartholomew, why don't you let out the lifeboat and come get me? He didn't say to Matthew, hey, throw out a rope. Peter knew where his strength lied. And his first response was not for anything carnal, 
but he fastened his eyes on Jesus and said, Lord, save me. That's powerful on so many fronts. First thing is Peter realized he couldn't save himself. The same way you and I can't, cannot save ourselves. We cannot save ourselves from sin. Amen. We can't even keep ourselves through the day. Bless God. Amen. I was going to, to work the other day. Amen. And I, I looked down. I had on one blue sock and one black sock. I said, dear Lord, I, I can't even put matching socks on. Amen. How else can I keep myself? I can't. Amen. Amen. But we, just like Peter, when we find ourselves on the sea of life, troubled, lost, confused, we know where our strength lies. We know where our redemption lies. We know where our help comes from. It's not in John. It's not in James. It's in Jesus and when we say Lord I can't save myself I'm calling out unto you amen we know and we're made to realize the revelation of his power and his grace Peter could not save himself but he cried out to the one that could no matter what happens in this life, we must never lose sight of the infinite power of Christ and His ability to save us even when we cannot save ourselves. I believe Paul received one of the greatest revelations in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, when he said, He cried out unto God for his, the thorn in his flesh three times. He asked God to remove it. God spoke to him and said, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Yeah. You see, we like to build ourselves up in pride about how strong we are, about how strong we think we are. But God's strength can never be revealed and a man is built up in his own strength. But God said, my truth is not fully revealed except in your weakness. Let that sink in. It's in our failing. It's in our weakness that his strength is made perfect. For God can do more in our humility and our brokenness than we could ever think about in our fullness. When we come to the end of ourselves and the dark reality of our frailty is upon us, that is when and where his strength is not only made, but his strength is made perfect in us. When we get to the end of ourselves and we realize, Lord, I can't without you. This Christian life is impossible. I would fail a thousand out of a thousand times trying to do it on my own. It's then that his strength, his saving grace, and his keeping grace put on the greatest display for the world to see. Listen, folks, I would be worse than a basket case without Christ. My life would be broken, irreparable, without Christ. I fully believe I'd be in hell or jail today without Him. And I'm not a perfect individual. I'm striving for it. But I know that I'm not. But I am a picture of his power. And I'm not putting myself up on a 
spiritual platform because you are a picture of his power. You are a picture of his grace. I can't live this life. I can't be victorious. I can't overcome, but I can surrender and allow his life to be lived through me, him to be victorious in me, and for him to make me an overcomer. We've already quoted the verse in Revelation. We're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Break down that verse. They were made overcomers by nothing of the flesh. Nothing that they did made them an overcomer. They were an overcomer because of what Christ did in them. What Christ did for them. And by the word, by the proclamation, by their testimony of the power of Christ. It was then that they were made an overcomer. It's the same for us. Not a single person in this room nor in this world can overcome in and of their own strength. It's only by the blood of the Lamb. It's only by the power of His Spirit. It's only by the confession and the proclamation of our faith of what He has done in us, through us, that we are then made an overcomer. We can't overcome in this life because He overcame. So we see the Christian life is impossible apart from Him. Requires faith. Requires our obedience. It requires us to submit to His will. We're going to face distractions. We're not always going to be perfect. But we know where our strength lies. And lastly, I'm closing cursing. If you'll come help me, I'm done. The Christian life is the safest life. It's the safest life. Because when Peter cried out, Jesus stretched forth his hand, called him, and said, Unto him of thy little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. We don't know if Jesus carried Peter or if Jesus kept him by the hand and they walked back on the water to the boat. We don't know. The only thing that we do know is that they both got into the boat. How they got there is irrelevant. But what is very relevant is that Jesus made it possible. Whether he picked Peter up and whether he carried him in his arms or whether he grabbed him by the hand and said, boy, you might have failed to it, but we're going to conquer it together. We don't know. The only thing that matters is that by Jesus, Peter made it back to the boat. Listen, we're going to go through many distractions. We're going to go through many turbulencies, but the safest place you and I can be is in the center of his will. In the center of his way. Because the Bible says, and I am persuaded, that he's able to keep that which is committed unto his hand even against that day. If we're in his hand, and the Bible says that we are engraved in the palm of his hand, if we're in his hand, then we have assurance He is going to carry us through. That is the joy of the Christian life. Now I'll preach to you tonight about the Christian life and its impossibility in the flesh. But can I close this in about 30 seconds and say, for those that try to do it in and of themselves, it's the hardest, most impossible thing in the world. But when you submit to Him, it's the easiest 
and the most blessed thing in the world. I'm not saying easy. Yes, it's a battlefield. Yes, it's tough. Yes, there's sleepless nights. Yes, there's wounds that we encounter on the journey. But it's easy because he's walking with me. It's easy because he's leading and guiding me into all truth. It's easy because I, like Peter, have times when I can't carry myself, but he sweeps down and he picks me up. There's other times when I stumble on the journey and he reaches down and he picks up my hand and says, boy, I'm going to walk with you a while. Amen. It's the most blessed thing. It's impossible in the flesh, but it's the most blessed thing when we live and we abide and dwell in Christ. It's easy because he's calling the shots. He's leading the way. This is the way. Walk therein. For a lost man's like a drunkard staggering about to and fro on every side trying to find, trying to find his way in life that he'll never find. Christ is the way. Christ is the highway of holiness. Christ is saying, son, just walk in me. Just dwell in me. Just abide in me. And I'll abide in you. It's not impossible when he's in the equation. And we're dead to everything else but him. In our weakness, when we're crucified, story of Peter had its peaks it had its valleys the Christian life is going to have its peaks it's going to have its valleys but the ultimate triumph for Peter is that he received a greater revelation of the power of Jesus than he ever would have received stayed in the boat the power of Peter's revelation is that Jesus will be with us or carry us even when we cannot carry ourselves it's the same revelation you and I will receive. Oh, God. Sure, we're going to have peaks and we're going to have valleys as we navigate this channel called life. But he's with us. The same way he was with Peter. He didn't forsake and he didn't abandon him. He's with us. What a blessed truth that is. The Lord is nigh. The Lord is nigh. He's calling somebody out of their boat tonight. He's calling somebody to walk on the water, which is an utter impossibility. Jesus knew that when he issued the command. In newsflash, if Jesus was just going to call people to do the possible, he wouldn't have had to come in the first place. He didn't call you to do the possible, impossible, or the possible. He called you through him to conquer the impossible. He's calling us out of the boat. He's calling us to step out in faith and surrender to the word and the will of God. He's calling us to keep our eyes upon him. Box out the distractions, all the noise, all the naysayers, all the, uh, the opposing voices. Shut it down. Focus on him. Walk in his power and his fullness. He will carry us through. The Christian life is impossible to the fleshly man. But there's no greater blessed gift one can receive and live in than walking this Christian life. It's made possible through Christ. Amen. I don't know where you are on the journey. I don't know what you may be facing, what impossibility he may be calling you unto. 
God doesn't call the equip, but God always equips the call. And I'll equip you for the impossibilities in this hour if we'll just submit and surrender unto Him and let Him do the impossible in us, through us. Hallelujah. Would you find us a place to pray around this altar tonight? God's calling you to a place of surrender. He's calling you to a place of obedience. He's calling you to a life of faith. Impossible in your strength. But oh, how blessed it is when you obey and walk in His strength. Come on, let's call out to Him tonight.